0: Hi, I'm Matt, and the second reading today, we're going to come from 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 2, 5, page 1050. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to evangelize, not with clever words, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believed through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ, Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not the persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. My name's Andy, one of the pastors here at Church by the Bridge. And please keep that passage in 1 Corinthians open. We are week two into our new uh, series looking at the book of 1 Corinthians. Why don't I pray for us before we begin? Our Heavenly Father, we do praise you that you are a speaking God, that your word is your power. And we pray, Lord, that you would work in us by your Spirit. Would you remind us of the power and the glory of and the beauty of the gospel, so that we might have confidence in it, and proclaim it from the rooftops. Amen. Well, I want to start by asking you, if you were airdropped into Kirribilli, into a Kirribilli where no one had heard about Christianity, there were no churches, no church by the bridge, there were no prezis, no baptists, and you were given the job of getting people to know about Jesus, how would you go about doing it. Uh, we did this exercise uh, last year with some of the hive leaders, and it was great. It was great. Somebody said, somebody said uh, well, we would uh, put on a street corner a massive feeding station and feed all the poor of the city. That's how we'd get people to know about Jesus. Uh, someone else said uh, we, would do, um, we would get a, a jumbo jet, and we would project messages on it. That was you, Amy, wasn't it? I think it was Amy, yeah. And, uh, someone else, I think they were sucking up said, uh, we would just do what we do here. We would do church by the bridge, but only better. I was just like, thanks. Uh, I think that's indicative of how we go about sharing, how we go about sharing Jesus uh, with other people. We are drawn uh, to, we're drawn to the glossy and we're drawn to the window dressing and the impressive of the world we want church by the bridge and we want it better i wonder whether uh, you find yourself i find myself doing this uh when i go to i go to these pastors conf- uh, pastors training days and i go in with all the other uh rookie pastors and they say to me what church do you go to and i hold my chest down and go yeah i go to church by the bridge that's right with paul dale Yeah, you did see him at Engage. Good preacher. Snappy dresser. (laughs) Shame about the earring, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And I do that. I find myself myself doing it this week. uh, When I'm talking to friends who aren't Christian, Uh, I tend to big up church by the bridge. Oh, you go to church by the bridge. Which bridge is that? Uh, The bridge. (laughs) And... uh, how are the people? Ah, oh, not too many weirdos. In fact, not only do I go to a church by the bridge, but the bridge from Beckenbridge goes to our church. We have the best people. In fact, we have John Best, ex Wallaby's doctor. Yeah, I sat next to him once. He spoke to me. He prayed with me. You know, I t- kind of tend to do that. I big up church by the bridge because it's in Kirribilli, because it's nice, because it's shiny. I wonder whether you found yourself doing that. I wonder whether you found yourself doing that. And I wonder uh, whether that kind of thinking would have something to do with your strategy if you were airlifted into Kirribilli and no one knew about Jesus and everyone needed to know about Jesus. Well, Paul says two things. He, first of all, in our passage today, he gives us Quite a stern warning about that kind of thinking, about surgically enhancing our Christianity. So we do impress our friends with the the fluffy bits and the impressive bits of uh, our Christianity. The warning's there in verse 17. Have a look with me. It was the first thing that Matt read out. Uh, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to evangelize, not with clever words, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of his effect. Do you see the warning there? The warning about bragging and gravitating to all the fluffy, shiny bits of our church. See, in this, this warning, uh, Paul says it is possible to speak a Christianity and to live a Christianity where we rob The cross of Christ, of its power, literally uh, neutralized the effect of the cross. That is pretty scary, isn't it? Pretty scary for me as a preacher. I spent three years at theological college and a lot of money so that I could use clever words. I still don't know what half of them mean. But I spent a lot of money. And that is a scary prospect for me and for other preachers. And it is a scary prospect for us that we could live a Christianity and speak a Christianity for the next 20, 40, 60 years, even, that would empty the cross of its, its effect. The problem is not with having Paul Dale as your preacher or going to church in Kirribilli, everyone needs the gospel. Everyone needs to know about Jesus. But the problem comes is when we turn the volume up on that impressive stuff and turn the volume down on the main ingredients. I wonder whether you saw the, the main ingredient when Matt read it out. It's there in uh, verse 23. and It's there in ver- chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. That's the main ingredient, again in 2 verse 2. For I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The main ingredient, God's plan if we are to see people saved, and if we are to be involved in seeing people saved, is the cross of Christ. Now, the problem with the Corinthian church is that they were turning the volume down on the cross of Christ. And they were turning the volume up on all that impressive stuff that surrounds church. So their uh, preaching roster had turned into a first century version of TED Talks. They were trying to compete with the debating uh, world of the day. Their meetings were all about showing off, about this spiritual one-upmanship, or oh, I'm a better Christian than you because I can speak in tongues. I'm a better Christian than you because I do this. While all along, their morality, uh, the way they lived out their Christian life, uh, was full of the sex-obsessed, pleasure-obsessed Corinth. There was no distinction between uh, the horrific city that they lived in and the church themselves. And then they... And, They just relied on all this impressive religious stuff. But Paul says the main ingredient is that we preach Christ crucified. That's where the power lies. That's where the power uh, must be as we live our, our Christian lives. That's where we must have our confidence. Not in the celebrities that go to our church or the shiny building we've got in the cross of Christ. I've got three uh, just quick points this morning from the text, which should give us the confidence to boast in Christ, to speak of the cross of Christ, as we long to see our friends come to know Christ. Uh, Three quick points about where the power and wisdom of God lies. So the first point that come up on the screen, God's power and wisdom lies in a stupid message. Let me read verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. Paul tells us what he doesn't really need to tell us is that not everyone believes in Jesus. Not everyone responds positively to the message of the cross. That word uh, foolishness is where we get, in the Greek, is where we get our word moron from. Paul says, to some people, the message of the cross is moronic. He goes on, uh, verse 23b, at the end of verse 23, that the the message of the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Uh, The Jews were the people who were expecting the Christ to come. But what they couldn't get their head around was that the Christ, God in uh, in the form of a man, would come to earth and die on a cross. That's what it means by a, a, a stumbling block. You see, it's blasphemous in Jewish thought for God to die on a cross. Our, the years have kind of diluted the full effect of what the cross meant in the first century. And not only was it painful, but it was also the height of shame to die on a cross to be crucified uh, was the equivalent level of shame as being of being convicted as say a, a child killer or a pedophile uh, one person uh, said this about the cross uh, the cross indicates the lowest form of degrading death the total public humiliation of its victim Crucifixion so clearly marked one out as guilty, depraved, and stripped of human dignity, that any reclamation of the victim as noble is complete madness. That's why the Jews thought it, that the cross was a stumbling block. Because they were waiting for this impressive, glossy, fancy rescue. But the rescue they got was God come to earth to die on a cross. And that was shameful. They were in fact the first century Christians were persecuted uh, uh, were persecuted and uh, derailed for worshipping a God on a cross. Here's a bit of uh, first century hate mail. It's a first century hate mail. Uh, it, it depicts uh, Jesus on the cross but with a donkey's head. Uh, the text underneath it says uh, Alexander worships his God. To worship a crucified Christ, to worship a crucified God, was utterly shameful. And the Jews couldn't believe it. Uh, Well, to the Greeks, we're told, uh, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. Uh, The Greeks, the, uh, the, 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 the wise guys with all their impressive debaters and philosophers socrates and aristotle they think it's ludicrous they think it's moronic foolishness stupid and i guess that's the same reaction we get uh, when we try and tell our friends about the cross isn't it uh, so you're saying i'm depraved enough that god would have to send his son to die on a cross uh, to, to design a cross to intercept his judgment for me, yeah, that's pretty much it. And he's done that because he loves me and he loves you. Yeah, that's pretty it. No more greater display than love than that. And he rose from the dead, and you worship him, and you follow him, and you speak to him. Bim, bim, despite him being invisible yeah that's that's pretty much it our friends think we're bonkers try telling him that i wonder when the last time you told a friend that doesn't know jesus about the cross and what you actually believe rather than uh, rather than uh, about church i used to go out for i used to work in advertising and and, and we used to go out for drinks every thursday night after work, and I would go on these Thursday drinks and I would try and talk to people about Jesus. Not once in, I don't know, the seven years that I was working here in Sydney, did anyone say, Brilliant, I'm in. Thanks for telling me about Jesus. Where do we go to church? Get my invisible friend. Not once did anyone say that because it is foolishness, it's complete stupidity. And that hurts, doesn't it? We want our friends to know Jesus. We want our friends to be saved by the cross of Christ. And it hurts when they treat us like we're mad. And so the temptation is is that we keep quiet and we talk about church and we talk about the shiny bits and we talk about Kirribilli and we talk about John Best who goes to our church because we don't want to talk about the foolishness. But I wonder whether you saw what else Message of the cross is the. It is also the power of God to save. It is brilliant. God has designed it this way that people would believe in a stupid message. It's like God is in the Adland brainstorm, and he uh, he's there. I could have the Trinity around the table, couldn't you? The brainstorm table. Uh, the, uh, he's there in the brainstorm. He's going. Oh, how can we rescue this people? Ah, uh, should we? Uh, should we try an arc? No, done that. Should we try something really impressive like parting the red Sea? No, done that. He's, he, he goes through all the impressive rescues that he could choose. He says, no, I'm going to deliberately choose the duff one. I'm going to deliberately choose the shameful one. The one that people won't get. The one that will take a miracle for them to believe in. The one that will cause them to step out Out of their comfort zones to trust me. One that the wise men, even the most wise in the world, won't get. Do you see verse 20? He says, where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't uh, hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? I was trying to think of the wisest uh, man I know uh, in the media. And I think it has to be Stephen Hawking, doesn't it? He, he's kind of mapped the universe. He can tell you how long the universe has been around. But do you know what he says about Christianity? He says, Christianity uh, and Christianity in heaven are a fairy story for people who are afraid of the dark. Even the wisest man on the planet doesn't get it. And God has chosen to do it that way. It's brilliant. He's chosen to do it that way. He's chosen to do it through a stupid message that the world thinks is foolish, so that when we believe it, we will know the power of salvation. Paul says he didn't come uh, with clever words. He says that the, uh, the Jews, verse 22, ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. We need to remember that um, uh, Paul was a pretty good debater. We learn that he's, uh, uh, schooled in, he, he's schooled in a really good Jewish school and he can debate with the best. Uh, we learn in the book of Acts that he's pretty good at signs too. Apparently they used to take his hankies and give them to sick people and the sick people uh, would would be healed. Paul could have gone that route when he went into Corinth. But he chose to preach Christ crucified. He chose to preach the stupid message. Because that is where God's power and God's wisdom lie. Verse 19 is a a quote from Isaiah. It's a quote from Isaiah and it says that that was the plan all along. That the wisdom of the wise would be destroyed by the preaching of a stupid message. Of uh, a sharing of the stupid message. We may get get frustrated as we seek to share that message with our friends. And they tell us we're fools and deluded. And we may uh, actually try and change that message. I went on a, a university mission once. And uh, we were so disheartened by people's lack of response to doing a little talk about the cross that that we did one event that week out of the whole week. And all it was was giving out toasted cheese sandwiches. Have we got a picture? There you go. That's a picture of the toasted cheese sandwich. That's what we did. Uh, And to my shame, the point of giving out toasted cheese sandwiches was to show that Christians were kind. See, we'd become so disillusioned uh, that people weren't responding with the cross, that we'd moved on from that. We'd forgot where the power lies. Well, I wonder whether you uh, have moved on from the cross, whether you've started talking about other stuff other than the cross to your friends. Paul wants to remind us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, and they are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved, I said uh, before that my I used to go and chat to people on a Thursday night. Last year, a friend of mine emailed me and said, "Do you remember when we had that chat about Christianity and about the cross?" Well, that stuck with me for about six years, and I've become a Christian. I live in South Africa now, I've become a Christian, and I thought you'd like to know. I can't even remember the conversation. I can't remember. I remember the girl, but I can't remember the conversation. That is the power of the cross, as God works through a stupid message. Well, secondly, a uh, second point, uh, we need to know that God's power is di- displayed in a stupid people. Let me read uh, verse 26 and verse 27. You can look with me if you like. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many uh, are wise from a human... so, brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful... Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Now, this verse is not paying us a compliment. (laughs) It is telling you and I that we have been, if you're a Christian here, uh, it's telling us that we have been chosen by God uh, because we are foolish. Foolish. It's, we have been chosen by God because uh, we are not wise. It is not paying us a compliment. God has deliberately chosen us uh, because we are below par on the wisdom front. He's chosen us to put us in these unimpressive places in life. So that, God would, that, so that people would see just how magnificent God is in sending Jesus to the cross. He's put us where he has in life so that no one in the world can boast. So that we can't boast. So that we can't think that we are uh, somehow powerful and impressive. uh, That somehow our uh, place in life has something to do with people responding to the message of the cross. No, we've got nothing to do with it other than speaking it. Uh, I wonder whether I used to think like this. I used to think, having been disheartened by people knocking me back uh, uh, when I've talked to them about the cross, I used to think, well, if if I became a senior designer, then perhaps people would listen to me. Then when I became a senior designer, I thought, well, if I became a creative director, people would respect me and see my Christianity and think, I'll have a piece of that. Now, that didn't happen. I just got further and further and got more and more ridiculed. And the response was the same. Uh, we can uh, think that if we were just more powerful, if we were just a little bit more impressive, then people would respond to our Christianity. I want to uh, you, tell you about uh, a bunch of guys in the US. They're pretty cool. or well, they're pretty uh, out there, at least. They're called the power team. Now, here's a picture. There you go. Now, the power team are a bunch of Christians, and they go around the U.S. uh, breaking stuff and lifting stuff and flexing their muscles uh, to show um, to show how powerful God is. They go and do this show, and they um, proclaim uh, the gospel as they show just how powerful God has made them. Now, we might not go that far. But we—I hope we don't. Anyway, um, there's probably some here who do. Actually, um, we don't go that far, but we can get into that mindset of thinking that if I uh, make my life look impressive enough, then somehow uh, people will pay attention to our message. That our friends will want a piece of the action. Well, that is wrong because God has chosen us not because we're wise, not because we're powerful. He's chosen us because we are foolish. And because we are weak, I want to quote from. Car- I want to quote from Don Carson. He speaks uh, about our our um, our tendency to put uh, famous Christians on a pedestal. Let me uh, read this quote. He says, "Why is it that we constantly parade Christian athletes, media personalities, and pop stars? Why should we think their opinions or their experiences of grace?" are of any more significance than those of any other believer? When we tell outsiders about people in our church, do we instantly think of the despised and the lowly who have become Christians? Or do we love to impress people with the importance of the men and women who have become Christians? Modern Western evangelicalism is deeply infected with the virus of triumphalism, and the resulting illness destroys humility minimizes grace, and offers far too much homage to the money and influence and wisdom of our day. I think he's hit the nail on the head. We love to parade ourselves and how successful we are. We love to parade our famous, uh, our famous Christians amongst us. But God has chosen every single one of us, even the famous Christians, because we are fools and because we are weak. So that no one can boast, God's power is displayed in a stupid people. Well, thirdly, um, God's power and God's wisdom is delivered through a stupid method. Let me read verse uh, two and three of chapter two. For I didn't think of it. I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Paul says that the method is not fancy. It's not impressive. It's of an ordinary man speaking a stupid message in the context of a church full of stupid people. He says, I didn't come in this impressive form. I came in fear and I came in trembling. And how did he deliver this message? He spoke the message. That's what uh, the point he's making in these verses. uh, That he spoke the message, and that is a stupid way to do it. I wonder whether how you would, if you were making uh, the delivery method of the gospel, how you would go about it. Maybe we would uh, get a a jumbo jet and put neon signs on the outside of it. Maybe we would uh, do something fancy and impressive. But God has chosen a stupid method, you and I delivering it as we speak of Christ crucified to our friends. That's how people are saved. That's how people are saved. That's how people come to know Jesus. That's uh, how God works. Uh, now I guess we, when we uh, do that and we step out of our comfort zone, uh, we can become disillusioned with God's, God's methods. Uh, many churches the world over have become disillusioned with the preaching of the cross of Christ, of Christ crucified. They've uh, they've abandoned preaching Christ crucified, and they've stopped seeing people become Christians. So they've stopped preaching the message of Christ crucified. And people have stopped coming to their church. So they've resorted to other means to get people through the doors. I'll show you a picture of a church in London. Uh, here you go. Uh, they've, uh, they, the, the, the people stopped coming through the doors. So what did they do? Uh, they opened a kid's gym in the church to get people in. And they also opened a post office. And they also opened a market. Pretty, pretty cool. Don't let Naomi see this. She'll be uh, going further. Uh, pretty impressive. But this church doesn't preach Christ crucified. And when a church doesn't preach Christ crucified, it won't see people saved. It's pretty depressing. Now, I hope that we will never go to that uh, to that level. But what this passage tells us is that Greenway Ministry, Playgroup, uh, uh carols under the bridge, any ministry that we put in place, any ministry that you're involved in, it means nothing if if Christ isn't preached, if Christ crucified isn't preached. You see, we may uh, uh, build a crowd, we may attract people, but we won't make disciples unless we preach Christ crucified. That is the way that God has chosen to do it, so that the only people who boast, boast in the Lord. So I want to encourage you this week as you pray, and I hope you will pray, that you get the opportunity to, to preach Christ crucified, to speak about the cross. As you talk to your friends this week, as, you, as they ask you what you did at the weekend, feel, do talk about Paul Dale, talk about, Pauldale, talk about uh, the shiny building that we have in the shiny suburb in Sydney. Talk about that stuff. But don't stop there. Don't stop until you've talked about the cross. Because that is God's power to save. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is God's power to save. Let's uh, make an effort to do that, do that this week. And see God work. Do you see in the the, the, the end of uh, verse 4, Paul says, My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit. The next section in 1 Corinthians goes on to talk about what that demonstration of the Spirit uh, looks like. But my prayer is this week that as we seek to talk about the cross, as we seek to preach Christ crucified, we would see God at work by his spirit through stupid people, transforming and saving lives. Let's pray that he'd do that this week, shall we? Our Father, we, do, we are sorry for when we have uh, boasted in the things of this world, when we have boasted in our worldly power, when we have boasted in our worldly wisdom. Uh, we do praise you that you've included us in your plan to save your people. Uh, We do pray for the people in our lives. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would give us opportunities to preach Christ crucified, to speak the message of the cross. And we ask, Lord, that we here would see a magnificent demonstration of your spirit as we see people saved from hell and saved for your kingdom. Amen.